0: Yeah, okay.
1: All right. Uh, Hey, welcome to episode number three of On Taking Pictures, uh, the podcast where we look at the art and the science behind making images. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from fadedandblurred.com, and with me is fancy New York editorial portrait photographer, Bill Wadman. Fancy? You're fancy, aren't you? I guess so. Yeah, sure. Fancy. Your
2: pictures are fancy. Does that make you feel better to call me Fancy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: Not as good as it makes you feel to be fancy.
2: Uh, you know, I, I did a workshop this weekend. Yeah, how'd it go? It went well. I uh, uh I w- I just wanted a small little group of people to try some stuff out with. And uh, I had, you know, six people came and I had a model. And uh, we, we spent some time outside shooting with some speed lights. And then we went inside and spent like three hours in this studio that I rented Nice. Which, the guy who owns the studio has all kinds of props, like that's like his thing. He's Like, like set- theatrical props? Yeah, well he's kind of like a set design kind of guy. Okay. So there are uh, couches and weird wallpapered walls and bookshelves and carousel horses and just uh, uh, like, a, uh, like a kitchen counter kind of thing. Nice. So it was kind of perfect for what we wanted, which was just to have a, a number of different settings, vignettes to try out. Now, how did, how ideas did the
1: studio with? come about? Because I, I remember you had, you had your first studio kind of fell through. So how, yeah, did, how I, did this I, one come about?
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I was, I was scrambling in, in some senses to, to find a place for Saturday because it was like the beginning of the week and the other thing fell through. And um, I called around a bunch of places. Everywhere was booked. And then I remembered in December I took some pictures of this woman named Lux from uh, fleshbot.com. And she had a party at the end of December or, or I'm sorry, in February. And I went to this party and she was renting space in this sort of in a back room of the studio. And she said, you know, they, they rent this place out for photo use. And I said, Oh, I will have to keep that in mind. So when I couldn't find a place, I was like, Oh, I remember, you know, she said that. So I got a hold of the guy, Adam, uh, and he was total sweetheart. So I, you know, I ended up using this place, but it was perfect for what I needed, which was uh, an interesting space to, to mess around and come up with ideas. I mean, a perfectly white studio or a black studio, you know, where we were just doing a couple lights and some reflectors and that kind of stuff. I mean, I I can do that kind of stuff, but I don't think that fills three hours. Sure. Um, not the way you want to fill them anyway. Yeah. Not the way I want to fill them. So we ended up doing, I think five or six setups in this, in this space and then handed around, passed around the pocket wizard. So each of them could take five minutes to, you know, shoot the scene now, um,
1: this was the first time that you'd done this kind of thing. What do you think, format-wise? Do you, do you like the format that that you that you were able to settle on, or will uh, this will this go through revision?
2: It it will go through some revision, but uh, it was it was not bad actually. It, in the beginning, I was a little hesitant, but then it it got better, and I felt better about it as as time went on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually putting together a workshop in Seattle, which will involve doing composite portraits. So we're going to actually spend three hours in the morning shooting, and then we're going to spend three hours in the afternoon editing the stuff that we shot down to a final image. So the the first half will be lighting and and, and ideas and concepting and that kind of stuff and actually shooting. And the second half will be doing the post-production. Very um, cool. Now,
1: have you settled on dates and location yet? I think or
2: is that July 14th is going okay. to be the date. Uh, location uh, still in flux. I got to find a studio out in, in Seattle, I guess. Um, interestingly enough, this guy that I did the one on Saturday, uh, he's actually got a 1080p uh, projector on the ceiling. So oh. I was actually even thinking using that space for my post-production uh, talks too. So really, I Very just got to cool. come in there with an HDMI cable or whatever and and, right, and hook right. up. And and 1080p, I mean, it's not ideal for working in Photoshop, but it's enough that it won't be a frustrating experience. Yeah, it's better
1: than watching a, a YouTube video.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it'll work great. Very So, cool. yeah, so exciting stuff. Now, I did not make enough money, however, um, to bid on the original Leica prototype.
1: You, you were just a little shy. I remember <laughs> we talked about that. I
2: was a little short.
1: Yeah, Uh, Yeah. I I I had two. Had they they taken two point six million, you you, maybe you'd have. I it
2: would have been mine.
1: Yeah, yeah, close anyway.
2: Yeah. So what? Two point
1: eight million dollars. Yeah, two point eight, and and it's the same. I I think it's the same model that sold. Was it a month ago? For one point nine million. Wait, it's the same exact camera? No, it's not the same camera, but it's the same model of camera. Apparently, there are only twenty five of
2: these things in existence. Yes uh and and this so this is 2 years before the Leica actually came out for commercial purchase uh Leica made a bunch of prototypes well 25 of them apparently um and and this is one of them only half of them have been preserved according to the article so that means there's 12 or 13 of these things around uh, the original Leica, which
1: so do you think people are scouring like thrift stores in Germany, looking for <laughs> or yard sales
2: or something, looking for these? To think that you'll actually find one, it's—I yeah. mean, it's happened before in other kinds of stuff like this, right? You know, you sure. find a Chippendale chair at some uh, some person's backyard sale or something. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you know,
1: there was that lady that found a Pollock. I mean, still.
2: Yeah, did you watch that documentary?
1: I I did watch it.
2: Um, and and what, uh, you know, not to get too off topic, but what, what, wait,
1: what's it called? Uh, it's who the who the bleep or blank? How, you know, is Jackson Pollock? Is, is Jackson Pollock? And then the story goes she she bought this thing in a in a thrift store, I think in San Bernardino, California. Yeah. Uh, and now they've got it under lock and key in some you know super secret storage facility or something. Right. But uh, you know it. it according to some experts it's real according to others it's not uh you know it's it's presented as this big conspiracy theory by the art establishment to not validate this as a as a genuine article
2: i will tell you that you know if you go along with malcolm gladwell's blank philosophy Mm -hmm. in fact i think the first uh uh uh, what's a chapter of blank is all about some statue that was at the getty that
1: uh yeah that that ended up being, being fake
2: not yeah yeah and that uh, people but all came of in, the
1: experts were like oh yeah it's totally real it's totally
2: real but then some guys were just like you know when i finished the test it was all real but i remember walking in and my first uh, first thought that came in my head was it's fake
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and yet i couldn't find any reason that it was fake and it turned out to be fake for i forget how they exactly figured out but i will say that it, at least in that pollock movie um my initial assessment when they show it is that it's not real yeah, like the color combinations and stuff that were used were very unPollocky to me.
1: It's a little, I mean, it's a little garish. Yeah, for his work, it just it just doesn't gel. Yeah, exactly. Know, to me, anyway, I don't know.
2: Yeah, but maybe he was really, really drunk one day, and that was him yeah. messing around. You know, that's the problem with a guy like Pollock. You can never. T- <laughs> right, right. He was such a mess that you can't tell what he would do. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so so back to the Leica. So they made these prototype Leicas before. The original Leica came out and uh and and apparently one of them sold for one point one six million euros. that is a lot of money yeah. it's, it, Leica's have a weird thing though because um, even now they produce these uh limited edition cameras that have yeah, like you, alligator skin and stuff like that fifty
1: thousand dollars or some crazy thing
2: yeah it 's stupid i mean in in my opinion it 's stupid i mean. At that point, well, what they you're also doing is just you're...
1: released uh, the black and white one.
2: It's well, eight thousand dollars. Cool. Only shoots black and white. That one's amazing. <laughs> but come on, is it eight thousand dollars amazing? Well, no. I mean, it's it's an M9 that happens to shoot black and white. Um, I mean, if I was independently wealthy, I would get that and use it. The problem is, is that su- that takes pictures, right? Mm-hmm. Where a lot of people buy these Leicas. I mean, there's the collectors ones, and they leave them in the boxes because they are collectors items. They're not machines to be, cameras to be used. They're not instruments, you know? Sure. And there's something about it that, I don't know, bothers me. There's a fetish in Japan, especially, apparently, um, of, like, rich people buying Leicas, and they put them in these, like, Lucite boxes and stick them in their safe or up on their shelf or whatever. And it's like, it's a showpiece. You know, this is an early serial number, Leica 3, or whatever it is. Um, There was, you know, there were a few where I think it, you know, between the Leica M4 and the M4 uh, and the M5, there was like an M4 P and there's a certain subset of those that were made in Germany before they switched to Canada or some kind of crazy thing. And they're very rare and they go for a lot of money, but then people are collecting them as, as if they're Pokemon and not, Mm -hmm. which I just, there's something about it that really kind of bothers me from, um, I don't know. It's my grandfather was a violinist. And when he died, uh, we, you know, we have his violin, but I, you know, my mother kept it because it's her father's violin, but now it just sits in a box. Right. Right. And it's like, well, what is the point of that? That's an instrument meant to be played. So in the same way that I see something like a Leica, which is such a wonderful camera sitting in a box.
1: No, I've never used, you've used Leicas. I've I've never used one. And you've talked to me about how, how. Amazing, they are to use. I've used a rolly which some would argue is close, but no cigar. Um, yeah, I mean it's different, but yeah, y- you know, it, it, there there is something about, and you and I have talked about this about the heft of it, about the precision of it, about cool. just the way this thing feels in your hands. Yeah.
2: It feels are like, they worth the money? It feels like a micrometer for light. Okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, which which I personally I kind of like that idea. Mm -hmm. That there's this thing that is, they're all handmade, you know, Um, and, and they're, they're, they're so simple because all they do is they have, they have a clock on top. They have a, you know, the shutter speed essentially, and they have uh, aperture and that's it. Who's
1: making their sensors on the M9? Are they making Uh, them in house?
2: No. Well, up until very recent, they're Kodak sensors. Really? Yeah, in in the Leica digital cameras. Um, And and when I refer to all these other things, I mean, the handmade stuff, that's is much, it's more about the film cameras than than the digital cameras. There's Mm -hmm. things about the digital that I don't really like. I mean, if I was going to shoot a Leica, I I prefer to shoot film. I have an M4 that I bought for myself, I don't know how long ago, a couple years ago actually it was no you know what it was it was on December 31st of 2007 because I bought it for myself to as a gift for finishing 365 portraits nice Um, but it was it was used I think lens you know body and 50 millimeter lens I paid 12 or 1300 Mm -hmm. and if I sold it today I could probably get 12 or 1300 Um, it hasn't lost any value it's not like a super super high end like a you could get a Leica for a thousand dollars you know I mean it's not impossible to do um but then you're shooting film but there's something about them where they 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 feel like they're an instrument for measuring light and and they have a way about them uh, there's there's a weight and there's a precision and and they all feel like slightly different slightly quirky and they're so quiet cuz there's the the shutters are made with cloth so when you hmm. take a picture where it just like goes you know it has this like little it's it's a very very quiet sound and then you you know you hand thumb crank to 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 reload sure um but i I don't know to to recock the shutter i i I personally like shooting with them i know some people who have tried it and haven't liked it at all i know people who have tried shooting with them and uh um don't see the big deal about it Mm -hmm. um i don't even shoot street photography which is what a lot of people like them for but i mean that gets back to film right where it's about slowing down right it's
1: about. Do, do you think your love of film affects your love for a Leica? I mean, do you think they're 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 tied? And the people that maybe don't like shooting with a Leica, they just don't like shooting with film anyway, or is it the hardware specifically that th- that you think that they respond to?
2: Uh, well, the big. What, I mean, the big difference if you are used to shooting with an SLR, you know, where you're looking through the lens when you're taking mm-hmm. the picture, mm-hmm. shooting with a rangefinder, which the uh, Leicas are, um, and we're talking about the M series Leicas. The there are. There are SLR Leicas, like the R series, but they aren't used that often. They're they're much more rare. Um, that, that you know, you're looking through a lens that is not the lens that you're taking the picture through. But one of the nice things about it is that your view of the scene is usually larger than the lens than the actual picture you're taking. So you're looking through this viewfinder, which is showing you, say, the equivalent of a 28 millimeter lens out the viewfinder. Inside the viewfinder, there is a a crop, like a crop lines, like a, like a little box, mm-hmm. and that's the picture that's going to get taken. So that what's nice about that um, is that when you're looking through the viewfinder, you can see what is outside of the frame. Mm-hmm. You can see what's about to come into the frame. You've you know, got
1: this little sort of proscenium that yes. you can kind of see action. Yeah,
2: that's cool. It, it, which, which is a different way of taking pictures. And some people don't like it. And some people don't like focusing with a rangefinder, which, which involves sort of, there's like a part, there's a little tiny section in the middle of the viewfinder where there's two images that sort of overlap. And mm-hmm. as you move the focus, they kind of, they go in and out of phase with each other and you're trying to get them to line up.
1: I uh, miss those, the split prisms.
2: Yeah, but it's, it's even more so with rangefinders. It's actually like overlaying two images. Mm. Um as opposed to like a split prism, which is also very cool in my opinion. Um, but people, a lot of people don't like that, you know, but it, it slows people down. If, if I were to, they made a few decisions in the digital Lycos that I've played with that I don't like. And, and the one that really bothers me, it's, it's so silly, but they put a motor in to recock the shutter. So when you take a picture, it goes
1: <laughs> like, so it, it kind of ruins the aesthetic for you. Yeah. It's like
2: yeah. well no the whole point was that it was quiet and whatever and now you put a motor in there to recock the shutter why didn't you just put the thumb thing in you know let me right. take the picture let me cock it with my thumb and then you don't have to the battery'll last longer you know for some reason they they put in a a, a winder basically a motor winder mm-hmm. um, which to me takes away some of the fun um, but you know one thing that people can do shooting digital that not a lot of people do do. Is actually turn off previewing on your on your screen so that when you take a picture, it doesn't show on the screen, mm-hmm. and then just don't hit play and shoot your digital camera as if it's film.
1: There was um, an interview with Mary Ellen Mark. And just I, I just watched it over the weekend, and she was saying the same thing that she that was one of the things that she really doesn't like about about digital. And and you've heard Maisel kind of rant about this too, is people spend so much time looking at the backs of their cameras that they're not yeah, seeing the action out in front
2: of them. Chimping. Yeah. 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 And, and so I think, I think film, you know, it does that too. Um, it's also funny. I, I was down in Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico. Um, you guys have <laughs> the those ads out there? With, Look at oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was down in Puerto Rico and I was in old San Juan and I had brought just my Leica to carry around with me. And a few rolls of film. And there's all these like kids on the street and obviously some of them are sort of pickpocket artists, you know, and, and you have to, you just got to keep an eye out. But what's funny is that I'd be walking around with this $1,200 Leica in my hand mm-hmm. um, and the kids don't even look at me because it's not a big giant camera with a big lens. It doesn't look expensive okay. from not look composing at all. Yeah. To, to a kid, it just looks like some crappy little, you know, it's like, Oh, some old metal camera. Like who wants that? Right, right, right. When in reality, those are—it's like one of the best cameras, you know. Uh, and the lenses for Leicas, the the Leica glass is really amazing. Um, the contrast is wonderful. The micro contrast, so the so the breaks between light and dark in the picture are somehow more contrasty. I don't know. It's it's, it's the the micro contrast. Yeah, you like and, that term? And
1: you wonder why I call you a fancy photographer. <laughs> <laughs> you never heard that term?
2: I've never heard that term. Yeah. So there's macro contrast, which, you know, is overall like how much the the light to the dark, if it's actually in the scene, actually shows up, gets through the lens. And then there's micro contrast, which, which involves sort of different smaller sections of the image when light and dark are near each other, how much sort of it, where it blurs between the two. Mm-hmm. So these lenses are very sharp. Um, which is why a lot of people like the, the digital Leicas because they don't have the anti alias filters that we were talking about last week. So they're so they use they get all of the sharpness of these really sharp like a glass actually hits the sensor and the sensor captures it. Um the only downside is that they're incredibly expensive. So the glass. Yeah. You want a yeah. thirty five or twenty eight millimeter uh Leica lens and new they're thirty five hundred dollars, you know even use their twenty eight hundred three thousand uh, dollars and they're small a lot smaller too because they don't need to uh, get out of the way for a mirror they can actually be closer to mm-hmm. the film plane and a lot of people say that's why wide angle glass on a rangefinder like a leica M, m4 m5 um, m6 um, is actually sh- is, is better than wide angle lenses on a digital slr because You don't. They can get closer to the film plane because on on an SLR there have to be room to get the mirror out of the way. Mm -hmm. So the designs can be simpler, and therefore they can be better class. So I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff about it, but this guy goes and spends 2.8 million on an original Leica. That's cool. Yeah, it doesn't.
1: It didn't even look like it was in that great a condition either. I mean, it's no. They usually aren't. You're buying it for the historical value, but
2: you know it, it, okay interestingly it, enough though the Leica the original Leica I'm 90% sure was the first camera to use 35 millimeter motion picture film which is what 35 millimeter film came from movies mm-hmm. and they just and, and in movies it's shot vertically you know so the fr- the frame goes you know the sprockets are on the right and left yeah. and the frame goes across and Leica took it and turned it sideways and then put the f- the image that way so
0: Rotated where do you think this is all? Degrees. Yeah,
1: where do you think this is all leading us? Then I mean, we, we talked about that article, the future of film. That would, yeah, I, I, where was it posted? I'll look at it. I think it's on PDN. I think it was PDN. Um, you know, and we've had we've had Kodak stop making some film, raising the price on others. You've yep. got Fuji raising the price across the board. You know, your local lab, my local lab, all of these places are getting more and more expensive, more and more hard to find.
2: Yeah, and it's it's it, part of this article talks about how. For Kodak, it's actually... For these film companies, it's very expensive because they have designed everything in their film production facilities to work on large scales, right? Mm-hmm. That they, they have to make... And I don't know exactly how much it is, but let's say they have to make 100,000 rolls at a time. Right. They can't make 10,000 rolls at a time. And that the way that the, chemi- the, the chemistry of the whole thing works, you can't just make one tenth as much of everything and have it work out like the recipes change depending on the size of the lot supposedly right. it's
1: not just it's not just scaling things back right there's yeah. some sort of formula that 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 yeah. scales them back accordingly not, yeah. and,
2: not and at a certain point you you get to the area where um that the, that you you you're actually creating a new film formulation. You can't just you can't just make less of something. You have to kind of have to start from scratch, right? Because um, their machines are all made to to use more bigger things and that kind of thing. So it's it's very expensive for them to make film because they have to make way more than they need than they're selling, uh, because that's the way their batches are set up. You also get into the question of variability, right? That in between old, batches, yeah. Between mm-hmm. in the old days, people used to get film and they used to. They used to do tests on a couple rolls of a new batch. And then if they liked it or got used to it or knew what they were doing, they would go buy a bunch of that and stick it in their freezer. You know, that batches of films, there was variability between batches and when batches are a hundred thousand rolls, for example, I don't know what they actually are. Um, there's less variability because you're, you've got a big, huge chunk. That's all the same where when you start doing these smaller batches, the variability goes up, which makes it much harder to use commercially because you don't know what you're going to get. There's less mm-hmm. consistency and it makes everything more difficult. Um, and I think that that's the kind of thing where even if film creation, like if, if some company buys out Kodak's film business, figures out a way to reformulate and only makes X amount of rolls per year and costs 10 or $15, $20 a roll, you know, it becomes a boutique kind of thing. I think they will have a problem with uh, trying to keep the the consistency of the film. You know, mm-hmm. uh, this article also says that there's there's all these people who are shooting more, right? That that film sales have actually gone up slightly in the past year.
1: Yeah, I, I found that really interesting. I mean, you, you've you've got this they, what they were talking about the pro market where where people are ordering batches of film, and I I, I don't remember whether it's twenty thousand dollars worth or twelve thousand dollars you have to buy a ton, but but you can buy, you know, batches of T Max or or, or x right. or whatever. But,
2: uh, but I remember Timothy Greenfield Sanders told me that he he shoots eleven he shoots eight by ten now, but he used to shoot eleven by fourteen and he And that's a big sheet. Yes. Huge. That is an enormous sheet of yeah, film. It's 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 enormous. Yeah, it's it's just crazy big. Hmm. And uh and he uh asked kodak to custom cut 11 by 14 and they refuse to do it really yeah he's just like no i'll pay for it and they're like yeah we we just can't do it so yes people can get custom cut 8 by 10 now but they can't get custom cut 11 by 14 if that's what they're into maybe five years from now or two years from now or a year from now oh yeah we can custom cut you four by five but we can't do eight by 10 you know I i think it's just it's just it's this march over time now it doesn't surprise me that film usage is going up. Um, Who are you talking about to me that who uses a Lomo?
1: Oh, uh, there's a, I forget his name. I'll put it in the show notes, but uh, he's a musician in London. And, and to sort of, you know, satisfy another creative itch. uh, He shoots landscapes of London in reflections, puddles, uh, you know, Water runoff, that kind of thing, and and only uses a Lomo, doesn't do any post processing, doesn't do any cropping. It's shoot it, process it. I think the Lomo does it.
2: enough post processing for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for for those who don't know, what whether these you want are, to or not. Yeah, it's essentially like um, there's these plastic Holga cameras that use forty five uh, th- um, medium format film, one twenty film, um, but they usually have light leaks and their lenses are made out of plastic, and what you get out of it is just kind of crunchy it's essentially what you're getting out of a a very higher quality version of what you get out of a cell phone with all those filters put on. In fact, all those filters in your cameras are actually trying to mimic what a Holga or a Lomo camera does. Mm -hmm. Um, Lomo usually are 35 millimeter if I'm, if I'm not correct. Um, yeah, there, there's a Lomo store on eighth street in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And personally, I I don't know how they stay in business. I mean, these cameras are plastic and, and that kind of thing. Um, I'm not surprised that more people are using film just because I think that there's a bit of a pushback against digital. So it goes back the other way. It's very much like um, it's very much like uh, turntables. Right. Right.
1: That. But the, you know, somebody's buying them. I mean, they, no, they somebody is talked buying about them, Lomo but- in, in that article. They sold like two million rolls of film or something last year. Yes. Which, you know, that's not. An enormous amount, but for a small company, for a boutique kind of a market, that's that's a lot of film. Yeah, but
2: the question is, how much? I wonder how many, how much of the total film sales of the world was actually Lomos? Yeah, you know, it might be that twenty percent of all the film sold was sold to people playing with essentially toy cameras, which is Mm -hmm. what those are. I mean, not that you can't take interesting pictures with them, but they're not designed to take pictures that are accurate. They're designed to to induce distortion and, and to have fun and do things, you know? Um, but uh, like the turntable example, uh, people are buying, uh, records, right. Th- th- and, and record sales have gone up year over year for the past five years or whatever it is. Um, and that's true. However, it's all relative, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. like Macintosh in the mid nineties. Like, okay, Macintosh is growing 10%, but it's like, okay, that's 10%. They sold fifty percent more max than last year. So, okay. So then they went from three percent to four percent of the market. You know, right. um,
1: yeah. They, it's they, only been in the last several years that they reached double digits in terms of computer sales.
2: Yeah, and that's that's world. That's in the U.S. I don't think they still have worldwide. Hmm. Um, but but the point being is that with records, yeah, you can have growth and and that's great. But like it, it might have been that they used to sell a hundred million albums a year. Then it went all the way down to 250,000. And okay, now it's back up to a million, which is four right. times what it was five years ago. But right. it's still, but still, still 1% of what it was right, right, 10 right, right. years ago or 20 now, years are, ago. Are you still buying records? Because you've got a
1: crazy expensive
2: getup. I, I am a pretty serious audiophile, but I do not listen to vinyl. Um, I'm, You just listen to MP3s? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're all about the quality. <laughs> I have really expensive speakers to listen to MP3s. <laughs> I you know and I I only I only keep 96k or better files.
1: Oh right? well yeah. now see now you're just being snobby.
2: Yeah. Uh, no I do I do lossless rips of CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I do I do have a, a fairly nice you know stereo with BMW Nautilus speakers. But but I'm okay. See I don't mind the sa- the good digital sounds great. Much like good digital photography looks great. You know. Okay. There there were people, there were a lot of film photographers who used digital cameras five, 10 years ago, maybe 10 years ago and took the picture and then compared that to what they would have got on film. And they were like, Oh, this is bad. And so they're still cranky about film, you know, being better when in reality, digital cameras have gotten 10 times better in the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just haven't taken the time to look or, or they just have to change the way they shoot a little bit or whatever. Um, but again, like I said last week, in some ways it's about taking what we loved about film photography which is this this organic look to it um, which has highlights that don't blow out really ugly uh, and 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 bring and a little bit of grain as sort of a dither to like uh, 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 make everything feel a little bit more cohesive mm-hmm. you can do those things in digital if you choose to in some ways modern digital is too good much the way modern digital recording was often too good, and then right. people started bringing in, oh, I'm going to use a tube preamp on the microphone because but what I'm getting to the tape is, is of too good. that backlash everywhere? There's there's that backlash in in everything. You know? Yeah, I mean,
1: there, you, you had that in film where where certain CG or, or special effect shots look too perfect. Yeah, you know, yeah. but then you watch, say, a David Fincher film where they've added some of that grit in. They've added some of that yeah. that imperfection in and it looks absolutely seamless. I
2: saw the Avengers last night. Uh, We
1: we saw it on Friday. What'd you think? I
2: I thought it was very, very good. I am not a huge, I'm not a comic book fan and I'm not a superhero sort of nerd. I mean, I I know the stories. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was excellent to perhaps the best superhero film I've seen. Um, a comic book kind of movie I've seen. Right. Right, right, right. Um, but it, you know, that whole thing was shot with, I think an Alexa, right? Um, I think I noticed at the end of the credits, mm-hmm. which is a 4k digital camera. And I realized that a lo- there are some scenes in it that, you know, that, okay. There was, there was, um, a battle going on. Apparently, uh, who's the guy who did the, the Lord of the Rings movies? What's his name? Jackson. Yeah. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Uh-huh. Um, is shooting the new Hobbit movie at forty-eight frames a second as opposed to twenty-four?
1: Yeah, not getting great response from test audiences yeah. either. But that's so a, test audiences that's are kind
2: of kind of crying wolf and saying, "Oh, it looks terrible. It looks like a daytime soap opera." And and Jackson's just like, "Well, you know, you have to get used to it. This is a whole new thing." And ten fifteen minutes into watching the movie, you're not even going to notice that, and then you're going to sort of. Realize how much more real it feels because of that, and in some ways, maybe what upsets people is that it does feel too real. You know, mm-hmm. it feels too much like you're on the set and not enough like you're watching uh, a barrier between you and the set. You know,
1: see, I, I can see that. I mean, th- there are some Blu-ray titles that I've watched, and they just they look too clean.
2: Yeah, you but, know, but the question is, just, it's, but is that is that the modern? Is that your sensibility? If you showed that to somebody who had never seen moving image before and showed them 24 and 48 or 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 film and digital would they necessarily choose film i mean i remember when they were making uh what's the tim burton what are the tim burton movies there's the nightmare before christmas and then there was the 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 bride the corpse bride
1: oh the the stop motion one yeah,
2: yeah yeah uh so there's- nightmare before christmas was shot on film and when they were making i 90% sure it's the corpse bride movie Um, they actually shot the same scene. It was like a, a like a minute and a half of, of, of a scene. They kept swapping the camera out for every shot so that they shot it both on film and on at the time, I think it was like a one DS or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they took the whole thing. They put it on, they put it on film or whatever projector they used. And they, the whole team sat down in a theater and watched the two things to decide whether they were going to do the whole movie digital and the whole movie film. And everyone decided that it should be digital.
1: Wow. Yeah. That that kind of surprises me, actually.
2: Um, And they did the whole thing digital. In fact, I was seeing a thing about that Pirates movie, you know, from the Wallace and Gromit people
0: Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. out
2: now. Like Um, Park? Yeah. They shot the whole thing. They had like 45 uh, 1D Mark IVs. And that's what they used. Um, You know, and they, they, I mean, you could shoot it with film. But, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff in the workflow and there's all kinds of, you know, a lot of stuff to do in the, in the meantime. And, mm-hmm. and what you end up getting is not necessarily better. Or rather, the things that you really like about film, you could do to the digital to get it to feel that way, you know, if you really want to. Sure. Um, but I think for some things, I, I thought the Avengers in some, in some places felt a little too clean. Especially yep. some of the scenes when they were on the, the, well, spoiler alert, when they're on the aircraft carrier.
1: The big floating...
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, flying aircraft carrier. Yeah. There, there were scenes... That's not a
2: spoiler. Is that a
1: spoiler? I a flying l- aircraft carrier? A little bit of
2: a spoiler. They did it, it? they did it in Doctor Who four years ago, so I don't really... Um,
1: wow. Yeah, but you're not a comic
2: book nerd. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a <laughs> sci-fi nerd a little bit. Um But, 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 there, was the, but there were scenes in, in, in... When they were on like the bridge or like where all the characters were sitting around the table talking that I right. felt looked really really kind of almost like TV looking okay in that same sort of way that people complain you know like it's almost your eye wants to see less frames but I don't know if it's just because I've grown up on 24 frames you know 24 frames was chosen because it was the minimum amount that they could you could do with it still looking smooth Mm -hmm. and they were trying to save film it wasn't because that actually looks the best is that true yeah um um, yeah that's the story I heard you know they were trying to save film Interesting. You know, it wasn't like they tried 24, 25, 26, 27, and 22. And they were like, you know what? 24 looks the most cinematic. (laughs) It's like, no, it's, it's the other way around, right? Cinematic looks like 24 because that's all we've ever known. Right. So I don't know, you know, so in the same way with, you know, this guy with Leicas and film, like people are buying this film and that's great, but I don't, I don't know if it's because of one direction or because of the other. Right. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, they say there's substantial growth in 120 film and sheet film uh, at Ilford. But substantial but, growth, what does that mean? 20% last year?
1: Yeah, that's just it. What, what does that mean? What is what is substantial growth over yeah. you know five years of steady losses?
2: Yeah, and, and Kodak, I mean, says that they, I mean, their film department still makes money, but like, okay, so its head is above water, but like, that's not going to keep Kodak, the larger company, alive.
1: What happens when, when everybody in film goes to digital. And, 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 and I mean, not film shooters, but the film industry when everything Movies. is now shot digital. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I mean, I think that we are probably like 50, 50 now, right? If not more,
1: I, I, would, I would say it's even more.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And it, what's, what's kind of sad about the whole thing is that uh, a lot of medium format, digital cameras use Kodak sensors as well as the Leicas and that kind of thing. So in some ways people love the Kodak sensors.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And yet it's now, sad still that in the house going is out Kodak, of business.
1: has Kodak sold off the sensor Kodak business.
2: Kodak sold off the sensor business like last okay. year. I think in December to make money. Huh. So I don't know what Leica's is going to do next year. Maybe maybe the company that bought it is is still going to make them. But it's kind of funny that Kodak invented the digital camera and then they kind of get killed by it, you know. Well, it's unless like any,
1: you leave Apple.
2: Well, Yes. Well, yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> the the uh, it's. I mean, that happens a lot. And Apple is an example, though, of a good a company that knows when to eat its own children. You know. Sure. Apple is not concerned about people buying iPads and not buying Macs because they're buying iPads. You know. Right. They'd rather right. have that happen than people buy a palm tablet. You know. Yeah. It's well, like, it, if yeah, if, it, if, it, if if our young if our children are going to die, we're going to kill them. <laughs> Right. Then, you right. know, that's it. And it's probably the much smarter way of doing it. But you get into big companies like Microsoft or whatever. Uh, I, I think in the same way... I think Canon is that way. Um, they added... The original 5D Mark II had you know all these crazy video features which sort of kick-started this whole 1080p digital SLR game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that the digital SLR imaging, the, the still guys put that stuff in there. And I think that the video side of Canon probably didn't know too much about it, you know? Because basically the still guys were putting out a camera that was a better video camera than any video camera that Canon made, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think that that was a little bit of, like, an internal rivalry kind of thing, like, you know, and probably kicked the the video guys in the butt. So now they're designing all these crazy, you know, the C300 yeah, and the C-series. C- have you Do you know anybody that's used them? Uh, Vincent LaFerre. Okay. But- <laughs> okay. <laughs> not,
1: do you know of anyone? That's used them. <laughs>
2: um, no, I, I don't know anybody who's used them. Does
1: Vincent I, call you and tell you his thoughts yeah, on that? No, he does not.
2: <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I've, I've friends who I've, a my friend Claude is, is a big into, uh, video stuff and he, uh, he's a big fan of the Alexa. He, I mean, he likes okay. it better than the red. And I think that the 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 fancy people like the hollywood people are shooting at these even like bigger cameras you know they're shooting red they're shooting alexa i wonder if they're going to shoot canon or if that's going to be sort of the low end even if the image quality is amazing and as good as the other one or better there's a snobbiness to that side of things so where do you you
1: see canon's market with these c's do you think it's an indie market or a television market
2: Not television, I think it's going, well, although, you know, people have shot the 5D, I mean, last year's house finale, right, was shot with a...
1: I I think much of this season, uh, Gail Tattersall has done some interviews and they they use the Mark II and I'm assuming now the Mark III
2: as, as kind of a staple part of their kit. Which is really crazy cool, you know. Uh, and they use them in movies. I'm sure there were scenes in uh, Avengers that, you know, were, you know, somebody threw a Mark II off the building and, you know.
1: There were some scenes. Yeah. Uh, that, I forget
2: where it was. I just read about it. They said that, that some
1: of the action scenes were shot DSLR.
2: And it just shows you that you can intercut 1080p video into 4K video mm-hmm. and put it in a movie and no one knows. You know, you
1: believe that it's made a billion dollars in ten days.
2: Has it made a billion dollars in ten yeah, days? Crossed
1: over a billion
2: yesterday. See, I'm not going to go too. I don't want to go too far into it, but because I've, I am not a Joss Whedon fan overall. Wait, what? Yeah, you don't like Firefly? I watched Firefly, and I thought it was fine. But I do not in any way understand why people were so upset that it was canceled. I was like, yeah, that was fun. But I wasn't like, oh, my God, how could they do this to me? Like, (laughs) I I don't. And then, like, 10 years later, still be saying, oh, my God, how could they have done that? (laughs) No, guys, there are better. You know, maybe it's because I don't like cowboys and it's basically a Western in space. You know, I just. So
1: so was Star Wars. I like Star
2: Wars. Yeah, but there weren't guys, you know. Actually, cowboying around in that way, you know, it was like there was something about it that was just I so. Don't know. It's,
1: is it the? It's it's their manner of dress. Yeah, that was part of it. I just, you I just, like I just think cheesy. And,
2: <laughs> and I, as much as I enjoyed, there are some episodes of say Buffy that I enjoyed. Uh-huh. A lot of times, I was just like, okay, really, singing, dancing demons from what? Like, really? This people think that this is this is really well done. You wouldn't be scared by singing and dancing I, demons. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something about I, his his sensibility. Um, I, I'm not in tune with and, and as much but as you
1: know he's going to name any future project now.
2: Oh, of course he will. And I'm I, good on him. I, this is by far the best thing I've ever seen him do. And I think that it is head and shoulders above anything he's done in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I really
1: liked it. I mean, it was, come on. It was a lot of it was kind of Iron Man two and a half, but yeah. Okay.
2: But I'm fine with that because I love the yeah. Iron Man movies. Yeah,
1: I do too. Um, and, I, I, and there I, were a I, lot I,
2: of there were a number of like little inside jokes, like where where he uh, he calls uh, the guy with the arrows Legolas. Did you catch yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know that it's it's it was cute, but you know again shot digital, you know, and I think that that's where things are going, especially for anything that involves special effects. It makes mm-hmm. their life a hundred times easier. You know, it kind of made me think as far as visual stuff goes, how much of that movie was done completely? How much of that was actually shot with a camera and a lens and how much was just completely CG? Like, I wonder what the percentage is. you'll have is. to
1: wait for the DVD.
2: Yeah. I bet you the percentage is probably 60% camera, 40% CG. You think it's 40? <sighs> think about it. There's a lot of CG in that movie. A lot. Yeah. That is just, you know, stuff flying around. Uh, which is fine, but, you know. I, I miss longer shots. I, I You know, th- this,
1: this, did you see Hunger Games?
2: Did you see that one? I did not see Hunger Games.
1: Hunger Games, man, that's a. I, I don't know what the cinematographer was thinking there because it just, too many f-
2: very, very
1: fast pans. It's like Gladiator,
2: like, you know, where it's like they're literally like 13 shots in three seconds. Uh,
1: yeah, and you just kind of go, you're left with an impression of a scene, but yeah. you kind of don't,
2: you're like I have no idea what is going on. Maybe I'm just old. There's swords swinging. There's guys with shields, and like I just get lost. Yeah, no, I feel that some way. That happens in action scenes in a lot of movies, though, where it's like you can't. You're, it's getting to the point, and this this is true of still photography. Certainly, it's getting to the point where you're, you're, you know you, you the technology can allow you to do absolutely anything. So now but you it's really so need, much information. Exactly, but now you, know, you really so need to think much. about what you want to do. There, there was an episode
1: of, uh, of Inside the Actor's Studio. I'm going to digress for just a sec. Sure. Uh, and it was the one with, with Paul Newman. I think it was even the first, the first episode. And Newman was talking about,
2: about how Kids to... these days and how they do don't what? appreciate their elders. <laughs>
1: uh, he was talking about how, how to convey emotion as an actor. And he said, if you're, if you're an actor that yells all the time, yelling isn't going to do it. You've got to be quiet. And and conversely, if you're an actor who if the character is quiet all the time, then you then you yell, you know. Or there has to be some changes, yeah, in 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 the beats. There have to be changes in the beats. And and there are so many films now that there are no visual changes in the beats. It just from the time the credits roll in the beginning until the time the credits roll in the the end, they're just slamming you with with very you know loud music jump cuts. And a huge number of effects.
2: I didn't find that the Avengers movie was as exhausting as some other movies like that. I mean, like mm-hmm. the Transformers movies are terrible like that, where you just get lost in just these blurs of CG, like things hitting each other. Those, those are Michael Bay films, right? I'm surprised yeah. they're bad. <laughs> but you know what wow. I'm saying? That that's, that's, it, those get ridiculous where I thought yeah. he, I thought he did a pretty good job because this, you know, the scenes where there were just people. And Scarlett Johansson, and Scarlett Johansson's butt. Um, what? Well, yeah, so
1: pe- people and like Scarlett Johansson is is above. She's no. She's not a person anymore.
2: Yeah, she's no, she's, she's something a, else. Okay. She's definitely something else. Really? Okay. That's, oh, I like her. It. I guess. Yeah, I didn't when she was younger, but I do now. Huh. Uh, hey, do you see this? This some model is really pissed because. Uh, L magazine photoshopped out like a bodysuit she was wearing under some dress. Yeah, uh
1: her name is Coco Rocha. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Coco Rocha. Uh, uh What do you think? Yeah, she's suing the magazine, apparently uh not too pleased that they uh it was a flesh-colored bodysuit and they they photoshopped it out uh, to make her look like she's nude under this uh this dress and not uh, too pleased.
2: I'd like to see the before. Um Because all I've seen is the actual cover, which is not nearly as it's I look at it and I'm not like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's not
1: it's not a revealing. It's not that risque. No, I mean, there's there's very little skin that, you know, that they're showing. But I, I think it's the idea that, you know, she doesn't want herself portrayed as a model that does nude or shows excessive skin, uh, okay. citing that they, that it, it's going to hurt her career somehow.
2: Okay. Uh, I'm about, you know, I'm it's a, an L cover. I'm i, about I don't to know that step that's into hurt. it right now. Huh? I'm going to step in it right now. All right, go ahead. Um, this, this has something to do with the fact that models are brands now in a way that I don't know that they were when we were kids. Um, but, I will say your job is to be a thing that clothes go on. Okay. Like you're modeling clothes. So you're, you're essentially a living mannequin. Now I'm not saying that like that a mannequin could do look as good as you do doing this, but your job is just to look really good with these clothes on. Um, it's not about you. It's about the styling. So
1: you're saying, I just want to make sure I'm on, I'm on your, your wavelength here. You're saying that they're, they're just really a vehicle for what they're selling, whether it be clothing or perfume or eye makeup.
2: And that's why you get paid a lot of money. Okay. Not because you're Coco Rocha. Um, you may look really good and people may like the way Coco Rocha looks, but Coco Rocha is not selling this cover. It's like, you know, the whole point of this is to put her in this crazy dress. Which almost looks like Japanese tattoo art. It kind of does. In fact, maybe that's what it's trying to do. Anyway, the point is, the point that I I guess my point is that, you know what? Suck it up. (laughs) I mean, they they didn't take off all your clothes and like put you in a porno movie. You know, they removed a line probably that went, you know what it probably was? It was probably a bodysuit that had a line that went across like the middle of her chest you know where there was like a the line between her skin and the like nude bodysuit, mm-hmm. um, and they probably got rid of that and and put a little shading in so it looks like she's naked underneath it or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know the extent of her concern without seeing right. the unretouched photograph.
2: But at a certain point, it's like you get paid probably uh, you know millions of dollars a year to to like, and you're complaining that somebody removed some little tiny pe- it's not like they made you look naked mm-hmm. you know i don't know it's, it seems a little whiny to me i guess is my point um that like your job is to sit there and look good so okay you sit there look good they take the picture and they photoshopped out show, photoshopped out you know a line between one piece of skin and another piece of skin. you know in the body suit eh, big deal mm-hmm. you know is that really uh- worth suing over or are you just trying to get more press so that more people want to hire coco Rocha?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, the, a lot of the comments are, you know, you were wearing a bodysuit to appear like you weren't wearing anything, and they just sort of enhanced that illusion, so what's the big deal?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? I mean, at what point is... I mean, these people have contracts that say what can and can't be done, so I mean, you mm-hmm. could argue that there's legal standing for it, um, but... <sighs> I don't know. So, okay. This this brings up an interesting... Actually, you know, can I just give an example? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so the the book whose cover uh, I, I shot, which was on Amazon for free this weekend, as like a promotional thing, um, the girl on the cover is actually an amalgamation of three images. Um, it's the body of one girl, the head of another girl, and the hair of the second girl from a separate picture. Hmm. Um because of what I was trying to do and it, d- it didn't look right otherwise. And the girl who was the base photo before I swapped out the head and the hair um, emailed me yesterday, apparently has like missed stuff. I've sent her saying that we finished it and it's up on, they can, she can go see it. Wrote me and said, Hey, you know, how did it come out? Whatever it is like, it let me down easy. If you didn't end abusing me. And I was like, no, we ended up using you, but we ended up using you from the neck down. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's
1: her body, somebody else's face, right?
2: Okay. Now, she was like, oh, that's really funny. haha. Ha. That's pretty cool. I'll let my friends know and have them go buy it and whatever. She wasn't like, how dare you Photoshop a photograph of me? So where does that end? You okay, removed let, my zit on my forehead and I wanted my zit in. Let's look at it from the other way. Let, let's say that uh,
1: you used her head, but the naked body of someone else or the yeah. lingerie clad body of someone else. True. True. Same argument, different set of circumstances. Does she have a right to be upset? I, uh, I think so.
2: I think she has a right to be upset there, but that and gets into like the stupid fake celebrity porn stuff, right? You know, Okay. Uh, where it's like, okay, well then that's ridiculous. I mean, they do that all the time in like movie posters, right? Somebody's head mm-hmm. on, some girl's head on some hot model's body that's definitely right, not right. Jennifer Aniston or whatever. Um. <laughs> no, your your point is your point is true. It's there, it's really
1: kind of funny that you pulled out Jennifer Aniston out of
2: that. <sighs> I'm all right with Jennifer Aniston. I don't. You know. um, I think in this particular, I think on this particular cover, I think that it's. I think it's on the edge of her being able to make a stink, but I think that she really needs to get over it because it's not actually that offensive. You know, the other picture this week that was really upset people was the Time cover with the woman breastfeeding. Sure. Um, yeah and there you know there's arguments to be made there that oh now just
1: just to be clear, that was her son,
2: yeah, so her yeah. three year old okay. son is standing on a chair breastfeeding uh on the mother, and everyone got really upset i mean apparently, mm-hmm. or maybe just the media is trying to make you think that people got upset i don't know, um but there's yeah, a lot who, of people who, who don't who want to see breastfeeding over that, yeah, a lot of people don't like breastfeeding hmm. um, i i i I honestly don't care either way, but some people are really into, you know, some people get really but, you know, upset isn't about it's it that. weird that,
1: you know, you've got no
2: problem watching,
1: I'm not saying you, but, but, and this is a, a rabbit hole, but America has no problem or not as much of a problem watching violence as they do
2: oh, nudity. Yeah. No, that's totally a thing. I mean, sex, sex is far more taboo than violence. And I personally don't understand why, um, I'd much rather have sex than beat somebody up, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a T-shirt in there somewhere. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think there's like a puritanical thing. I think there's a religious sure. aspect to that. Sure. Um, I don't subscribe to any of that, so I can't, you know, comment. But uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it is very strange. I, but I mean, this. Uh, so the woman's breastfeeding on the cover of Time. I mean, some people were making the argument that kid didn't get much say in the fact, and now for the rest of his life, he's going to be the kid that was on the cover of Time breastfeeding with his mom but you know what the flip side of that is in 20 years, people are going to say, what is time, you know, cause yeah, time magazine's well, not going to be around right. Yeah, the rate it's going. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's, it's kind of like, okay, well that's, uh, yeah, I guess it's a fair point, but that's a point of anybody who puts their kid in any sort of like Gerber baby, whatever, you know, you can make that argument for all kinds of stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of funny. People make it, it's a lot Gerber of a baby
1: that it doesn't seem to have hurt Vincent Versace much.
2: <sighs> Was he? Vincent Versace was the Gerber baby. Oh, was he? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying though. Well, still is, but uh, I I don't know. I just, I go back and forth and I just think it's, I think people are making, I I I wasn't bothered by it. I mean, you know, I thought it made the point that the article was trying to convey, which was the whole point. There was actually on the web. There were some outtakes from other shots that they were thinking of using, including two other women with their kids, Uh um, which are kind of interesting just from a photo editor point of view, trying to decide what picture to use. Uh, we should find that and put it in the show notes. Uh, was
1: the shot that they ended up using, based on what you've seen, was it the most compelling of the shots that they had to choose uh, from?
2: That shot or a different shot with the same woman and child were mm-hmm. my two picks. Yeah. And, I mean, at that point, you get into uh, layout issues. Okay.
1: But if, if if you're being, you know, put your art director hat on for a moment. Yeah. Was it pandering or gratuitous in any way? or Or do you think it was a compelling shot?
2: I think that it is it's a fine shot. I do think that they're trying to sell magazines. Mm-hmm. And that's magazines now, you know. I sure. mean, magazines always, but you know, the, you don't think that Time sold more copies because there was a big stink about their cover? Of course they sure. did. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be more copies. I don't think the people at L are that pissed that this cocoa woman is really upset because now they're going to sell 20% more copies of the magazine. Mhm. Um that cuz it's it's all publicity you know
1: you know i'm i'm amazed that more ipad versions of print magazines aren't better than they are
2: it's expensive to produce you know i mean if you do anything other than just print you know anything other than just a pdf rendering mhm they're just they're not very, i mean i i've i've no. got
1: probably a dozen different magazines that I I get and, and not one of them are very good.
2: No, you know what you have? You have the, you have the website. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Why, why are we making a, a, a static version, a digital static version of, of, of a magazine like the analog of the analog version? Yeah. Uh, Just because that's what people used to do. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense.
1: You know, that might be a, that might be a good topic. Sure. To kind of unpack that.
2: It's, it's, but that's, I mean, that, that goes across all kinds of stuff. Sure. Um, hey, hey before, before yeah, go we
1: ahead. go, what do you think of the 15 inch rumors on MacBook Pro rumors?
2: Um, I think that they are interesting. The, I guess uh, for those who don't know there, there's Mac, when they do these geek bench benchmarks, uh, there's an option to sort of send your results to the cloud. And lately, uh, benchmarks of new Ivy Bridge Intel Ivy Bridge based i7 and i5 chips have been showing up on iMac and 15-inch MacBook Pro benchmark sites which basically means that there is an imminent release of some new MacBook Pro or iMac in the next few weeks right right uh, interesting the, the the more interesting thing to me was the fact that both of them were using a build of Mountain Lion as their uh, operating system, which may mean that they're going to release Mountain Lion 2 with the release of these new things. Which WWDC is what June June eleventh? Yeah, second week in June. So uh, less than a month. So away. we could
1: see Mountain Lion then. Uh, I you know I was a little surprised that the the iMac benched at least in this uh, benchmark that was that was posted benched lower than the MacBook Pro. Oh.
2: Yeah, but that's it,
1: not that. It's, it's not significant. No, no. But. but
2: that, that in many ways, that can't be. You know what I mean? Like, there's something else going on, mm-hmm. um, or, or it's an older software, the wrong drivers, or whatnot. Because mm-hmm. um, the uh, let's see, oh, it's it's on all in the memory. It might be that the the iMac only had one chip in its memory or something. You know what I mean? Like, who knows mm-hmm. what the thing is? Oh, it had it doesn't say actually. Actually, uh, so it, does it had it had, four, it had four gigs of RAM in the in the iMac. There were eight gigs of RAM in the MacBook Pro. Yep. Okay. So the numbers for the memory performance are twice what it was. So yeah. that's what the difference is.
1: Uh any any thoughts on, on retina display? You think it'll happen? Uh,
2: I think it would be great. I think I'm yep. not going to replace my desktop screen until they go higher res. Right. You know? There's no reason to. Um,
1: yeah, it's interesting. I there are so many rumors about hardware and and where they're gonna go. Um, And they range from uh, no optical drive, no physical hard drive to, uh, you know, retina display, USB 3, which I I think USB 3 is kind of a given at this point.
2: It better be unless they're just trying to keep it out of the light just to keep Thunderbolt rolling. You know, they did that with USB 2. They didn't do USB 2 internally for a long time, which was kind of silly. Um, but yeah, no, you're, you're, I mean, USB three, probably, uh, retina would be nice. Uh, it's interesting. That's a a
1: lot of pixels to push around on a
2: 15 inch display. Yeah. But no, but there's, it's a lot of pixels. It's not like the processors can't do it. The GPUs and these things are crazy now. Um, but the, the, the neat thing, the interesting thing to me was the side, no ethernet. I mean, and these were just mock-ups, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but it's almost like a, a thinner MacBook pro doesn't have enough room for ethernet. Which begs the question, well, okay, well, then if you had USB 3, making a $30 USB three to gigabit dongle would be fine. Sure. So at that point, you could make USB, uh, Ethernet USB-based, uh, which would be awesome for Hackintosh people because then they could just buy this dongle.
1: <laughs> yeah, and not have to mess with, with drivers. trying to cobble together an airport card.
2: Exactly. Which, uh, hey, didn't you do that? Didn't you, you got one together? I did, and it works, yeah. Works yeah. great but uh it's a it's a whole other thing. Hey uh we have a photographer of the week. Yeah, who who was it? Was uh, it did we decide on Weston? Yeah, we did. Edward Weston. Edward Weston. Now, you uh. you liked Edward Weston when you were younger. Yeah,
1: um when when I when I first started in in photography it was in high school. Um, and at the time the poster boy for black and white photography was Ansel Adams, m- much the way and a lot of people still,
0: it still look is, at him. yeah,
1: yeah, um, and and without starting a flame war or, or inciting the you know the ire of of black and white enthusiasts, I I never really dug Ansel Adams very much. Um, I think his his photographs are technically great; they're they're fantastic photographs. But you know, it, it's Weston made a bell pepper sexy. Yep. I mean, it's, it's one thing to go take a picture of Yosemite Valley, and, and it's this awe-inspiring, beautiful landscape, and that's great. And I'm not, I'm not taking away from that, but uh, taking photographs of, of vegetables and nautilus shells and, you know, that just kind of s- spoke to me in a way that, that the larger photographs, and by large, I mean larger subject matter, uh, of Ansel Adams didn't.
2: I think that, and I think his portraits are pretty wonderful as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has he has a a bunch of great nudes too. So this guy shot with uh, it was well. Let's see what it, where, when was he around? He was around eighteen eighty six to nineteen fifty eight. Um, but most of his pictures were taken around the turn of the century, uh, and after, and the few decades after. Um, obviously, black and white, eight by ten view camera. This guy was rolling that kind of thing, and he took some really beautiful nudes that if you look at them today, look very modern. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of his stuff does. And, and this is just an example of, uh, how many photographers there are out there doing stuff today that they think is new and interesting and hip. And in reality, it's the same stuff people have done for a hundred years that, yeah,
1: some, somebody did it somewhere
2: yeah. and people don't have, and, and, and I sound like an old man and I'm not an old guy. Uh, Kids today don't have enough respect for their <laughs> elders, but, but it's, it's, not that, it's not respect it's, for their elders. It's when you
1: use that voice that it really hits home.
2: <laughs> well, the, the, it's not respect for their elders. Really what it is is that kids today don't know enough about pictures that were the, about photography's history. And so, therefore, they're missing out on a lot of what, what has already been done. You, you know? really have to look.
1: You do. I mean, it's out there, but you really do have to look for it. I mean, I had, I'd never heard of Ache. Uh, was it our first, was that our first? Yeah, we did a
2: couple episodes ago.
1: Um, and I, I'd never heard of him and I was blown away. I ordered the book, which should be here today or tomorrow. Um, you know, what's
2: really great is that, uh, genius of photography documentary that BBC did, which, Mm -hmm. which does, that's the one you sent me the links for. Yeah. You gotta go check that out. Um, it's like six, one hour episodes and they're fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. And they go into, they have like little vignettes of tons, like, you know, probably 30 or 40 different photographers over the course of it. Uh, And they just kind of grab people out of time, you know, as they're moving forward because it's sort of chronological. Um, But but just to see how things are changing and the kinds of pictures they were taking and what kinds of pictures were avant-garde at the time, you know. Um, But it always amazes me how many things were avant-garde in 1920 that you look at today and you go, wow, that's still kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um and and weston is one of those guys um i am not a huge edward weston fan it's you know he wouldn't be in my top 10 um but i can understand why he may be in yours is that mm-hmm.
0: fair
2: um, yeah i i again he he made you know going back to the to the peppers a bunch of uh, his stuff at the getty in la there
1: uh yeah which we are going to uh man i wish you were going to be here in june Um, We're going to do a photo walk at the Getty and there's a, there's a Herb Ritz exhibit. There's, you know, the Weston stuff is there. It should be a fun time. Okay. Um, But yeah, it it just, and, and you and I have talked about this quality of images. He, he made objects, you know, the, the photographs were there. There was just something about them that, that, that belies the sort of two dimensionality of the medium that you view them on. Yeah.
2: And I think that that is one of the challenges for digital photography going forward is taking this thing that is ethereal and infinitely reproducible and making it corporeal, mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. like making something out of nothing. Cause it's, it's sort of in the ether, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um And I think, and then uh, that's why I think printing in general is such a big it's 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 a bigger topic, we should bring that up next time. Let's put it on a list. Let's talk about printing, printing? yeah,, okay. because I think that making prints, even though pictures look good on the new iPad three, I think that there's something to making a print that is a permanent thing that you can put on a wall mm-hmm. and that will be there fifty years from now in a box. Well, um, I mean, come on, don't don't you
1: still get. Excited when you get that Elko box and you, and you, you know, you oh, open sure. up the tube and, and there's one of your prints.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I yeah. get, I get excited when I'm printing out. I, you know, uh, we traded, there's a kid who works at the cafe beneath me and he makes these sort of 3d sculptures out of rolled up magazines. Mm. Um, and they're kind of cool. And he had them up down there and we, Heather and I wanted to said, you know, we should, we should find out how much they are and buy one of these. Cause we want to start collecting art of people we know. And he's like, well, I do trades. You know, so take it and then give me whatever you think it's worth in your art. Huh. And I printed it. That's him, very cool. Yeah. And I printed him a 13 by 19 print of that party picture that you really like of mine. Uh, yep, of, yeah, which I
1: do. Um, I, you know what? I should, I should do you a version of, and in fact, I'm going to do this. I have another fiberglass lunch tray. You said you, you liked. That was a New nice one. Yeah. Um, I will do another version of that for you. We'll, let's, let's All right, trade. we'll do a trade. Yeah. I think, I
2: think art trading is cool. And I brought it down to him. And he was ecstatic about it. He was really excited about it, but Very it was cool. really cool. Just putting in a piece of paper, hitting a button and two and a half minutes later, I have a 13 by 19, which is, which in the old days was a fairly good size print, mm-hmm. which is about the size that you would ever print 35 millimeter film. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it in my hand and it looked beautiful. Like a, it was an object, you know? Yeah. And there's something really great about that. And you can do that nowadays. People just choose not to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh objects people like Weston they were making something. It's uh, there's that uh John Longard or whatever his name is, uh photographer who who went and, and shot all of the uh other photographers holding famous oh, right. negatives Hold, of theirs. Holding
1: their, their mo one of their most famous yep, yeah,
2: yep. Yeah over a light box or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, really cool stuff. Cause th- cause they are an object and the, the nice thing about film especially. And I guess it's true of digital cameras too, but film, when you take a picture, you know, when, when, uh, um, what's his name was landing on Normandy. Um, well, what's the guy's name? You know, the famous pictures of, uh, right, right, Kappa, blank- Robert Kappa, uh, was landing on Normandy and he shot, he had a like around his neck and he took, pictures of guys dying in the, in the, on the sand, that piece of film was 10 feet away from that guy dying Mm -hmm. when it was exposed in some sort of magical way, you know, like he hit the shutter and that piece of film absorbed light and permanently imprinted an image on there that was created in that moment in that place. And that, that piece of film still imbues that moment, you know, you know, which is just it's it's a re, it's a really cool sort of mental concept, um, and 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 it sort of becomes it becomes that object thing of art. Now, whether or not that really makes any difference in the grand scheme of things, I don't know. But it's but it's a I think really, it does.
1: I think it makes a difference to certain people.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. How much how much it how important that is? How much of the importance of what it is is that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is is hard to hard to talk about, you know? Yeah. Uh, cause, cause words themselves are an art form. So you words fail you, you know, right. You, right. What is the, uh, talking about art is like writing about music is like dancing about painting or something like that. Who, who, you know, you know, I don't know that quote. There's a really quite, uh, like dancing about, there we go. Writing about music is like dancing about architecture. Huh? <laughs> Nice. Uh, Which I think was Frank Zappa, uh, Frank Zappa, maybe. Um, But it's, you know, it's a great, it's a great line, right? Yeah. And in in much the same way, I think that words, I mean, we sit here and talk about this stuff and it's sometimes it's difficult to even make words mean the same thing as photography, you know, photographs that are themselves something that, you know, pictures are worth a thousand words. You can't make it. We can't explain a photograph in words. Um, or, so or your even,
1: connection to it for that right. matter.
2: And it's, and so therefore it becomes difficult to even explain photography with words in, in an efficient manner, which is mm-hmm. why it takes an hour's worth of words to, to talk about a single subject. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just it, look, we go round and round. Yeah. Um, but
1: that's, that's the thing is, is we can go round and round and there's always something new.
2: Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. yeah. We got a diary. Let's talk about prints Cause the whole objects thing is a really great, is a really okay. great topic. Yeah. prints. Uh,
1: so if, if people have questions, there's a new contact email, yes?
2: Yes. Uh, the contact email is podcast at com, which uh, everyone can use. Or you can send us a Twitter uh, to at Bill Wadman will be fine. I tried to get on at ontakingpictures. The problem is that it's 16 characters yeah, and there's, there's a, a 15-character limit. That's silly. So I can do ontakingpicture, but that seems like it would just confuse people. Yeah, but maybe it's kind of like the one eight hundred numbers where you can actually do more digits and it just sort of ignores the last few. What about on taking photos? Yeah, that just confuses things, doesn't it? It is confusing. You're right. <laughs> Strike that. Okay, so send them to at Bill Wadman, or uh, you have a Twitter account too. Which one do you want to send them? Yeah, to?
1: Yeah, it's it. You can either you can use at Faded and Blurred. That's okay. probably easier than having to spell out my name. Right. Okay. But if you really yeah. want
2: to, uh, let's see. Know? Let me see if I can get it right. Uh, it's E R Y.
1: Yeah, or at Jeffrey Sadoris. it's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S, like i A-D-D. No, just one. Or, or, I'm sorry, double D. Double D-O-R-I-S. Sad Single Doris. R-S. Single R. Doris is sad.
2: Oh, that's that's a good one. I met a girl right. once and, and her name was Ann. She was a Vietnamese girl. I said, how am I going to remember your name? And she said, I'm much better than the old Anne.
1: Ha! <laughs> that's clever. <laughs> yeah. That's clever.
2: And with that, we will round this up. So, yeah, if you have questions, send them to us. Podcast at ontakingpictures.com. And we will be back next week with uh, some more. We're going to talk about printing. I like printing. Yeah,
1: good. All right. See you next week. Later.